This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Robert Feckes, Nurser330 on Instagram. <laughs> and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. In addition to that, you can also check out our other podcasts at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. We have a Twilight Zone podcast that I do called Anthology, and we also have a Stephen King slash Dark Tower podcast called Tower Junkies. Uh, I'm your aforementioned host, uh, Matt Hurt, that I did not change the notes from the last episode, <laughs> uh, Everyday Gangster and Charter member of the Speedway Sparkplug Mafia, Matt Hurt, and with me today is recurring co-host Robert Feckus. Hello. Hello. How is it going? It's going well. Nice. Nice. Uh, I didn't ask you when we were doing Patreon, but how was work? It was slow, thankfully. Uh, we've been uh, really, really busy the last few weeks, and it's becoming tiresome. I can imagine, especially with the heat. Yeah. Yeah, heat doesn't bother me. Oh. Cool. It yeah. bothers me. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, whatever. <laughs> so stupid. I don't even remember if I said this on another podcast, but um, anytime someone, like, I've only heard someone say this, like, in the vicinity of me, like, once. But anytime I interact with someone and they like do their kind of default, like, oh, it's hot out there right. or whatever, I want them to say like, oh, stay cool out there. And then like in my head, I would just respond and be like, oh, I don't need to worry about staying cool. Yeah. Leave my apartment. Uh, I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is our third of three retrospective episodes on the directing work of Quentin Tarantino, uh, all in the lead-up to the release of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is coming out as of this recording in about 48 hours? Yeah, it comes yep. out, drops Thursday. Yep. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't screened for critics here in Indy, otherwise I would have been able to see it. Um, I'm very kind of sore about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn Tarantino. Yeah, but it's getting tons of really good buzz. And every time I see the trailer, I just get, I don't know, I get so excited for it. I know, I'm pumped. It just I, looks yeah. so good. And, like, in kind of tipping our hat to this episode a little bit here, um, going through uh, these three movies that we're going to talk about today, like the last two being, like, Western movies and, like, go, like going back to a more... Not contemporary movie, but like something set like in. Well, it's different, yeah. you know, so it's a good change of pace. Exactly. I'm like that's. I'm really looking forward to that. Like, I, I would feel a little tiresome if, like, it was another Western uh, movie. But if it had Kurt Russell in it, I wouldn't care. It's true because um, he is he is a uh, national treasure. So he's from America, right? Yeah. If he's not Canadian or anything. I'm fairly certain he's American. Weird like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah. So today on this retrospective, uh, we're going to be talking about Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and The Hateful Eight. Um, 
if you want to check out our other retrospective uh, episodes of Quentin Tarantino, uh, the last two episodes were are live now, episode 287 and 288. Uh, you can find those at com slash OV287 and OV288, respectively. So, Fekus, uh, before we get into it, once again, <laughs> we're going to be spoiling all three of these movies. So we're we're gonna gonna go spoilers free. So if you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, or The Hateful Eight, um, go watch them and come back and listen to this. So spoiler warning on. Uh, let's dive in. So Fekus, first of all, how did you feel going into these three movies, and uh, what how, what was your attitude? I know you had some reservations about The Hateful Eight. Well, I, well, starting with Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. um, that. I had the biggest of expectations for that nice. because of the trailer. Like I just remember the trailer just drawing me in immediately. Yes. It, like the trailer was Brad Pitt giving the initial like speech to the bastards. Yes. And I was like, yeah, this is a oh, man Tarantino mm-hmm. world war two killing Nazis done. <laughs> it's, it's great. I, I don't even need to see the movie. I know it's amazing. Nice. I actually meant before, like going into this. Like, oh, Oh, going in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was super <laughs> excited to rewatch Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. and Django Unchained. Nice. And then I was curious to rewatch mm-hmm. Hateful Eight. Nice. So. So yeah, I was, uh, I was curious to rewatch Django Unchained and I was excited to watch Inglorious Bastards and the Hateful Eight again. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a bit. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. German will be sickened by us. The German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Inglorious Bastards, though. So you were excited from the trailer. From the get-go. Yes. So I take it to, like, you caught it in theaters. I did catch I it imagine. in the theaters. Yes. I don't remember the theater experience okay. itself, but I, I know I saw it in theaters. Nice. Honestly, I don't, I don't remember if I saw this in theaters. The, the first time I saw Inglorious Bastards may have been, uh, when Tiny and I worked together as security guards. I think we may have watched it one night at work. Oh, wow. Cause, yeah, cause we worked third shift as security guards and had nothing to do. That's fair. Um, I'll have to consult my records, but I'm pretty sure that that's the first time I saw it. Um, and I don't know why. I, cause. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that was a big release. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it, it's not like I was, it's not like I was, um, it wasn't. It wasn't like I was disappointed with anything Tarantino. Right. Like I really liked Death Proof. I liked Grindhouse. Um, and I mean that was only two years after those movies came out. So it's like, it's not like there was a lot of time or anything between them. So I don't know. Maybe I did see it in theaters. And I just don't remember. But yeah. But when I saw it, I was uh super excited about it. So yeah the first of all the cast yeah the cast is spectacular incredible and i love it okay this was this was the the breakout role at least in in the states of christoph waltz yes this really introduced him to the united states yes and everyone fell in love with this nazi Mm -hmm. yep uh i will go on record as saying it um that opening scene with him at the oh it's amazing it 
honestly, I really think that that might be like my single favorite scene in all of Tarantino's work. Eh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's. Yeah. I'd have to do some thinking to fight mm. to commit myself, but it's an yeah. amazing scene. It's just the way that it's it's so self-contained and like it is so much. Uh, it's just that palpable tension. Yeah. And he's just, he's incredible. Like he is, he just is so commanding in it. As such a short statured man too. Like he just, he owns the room, intimidates this man in his own household. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy to watch. It's so, it's so well done. Yeah. And the dialogue sequence between French and English, it's, so it's good. flawless. Yeah. And like just the just the way that, the way that he talks and the way that like French sounds sounds coming from him is like I could just watch like him talk French to me all day. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, that's weird. It's weird. Um yeah. Uh but no, it's it's just it's so incredible cuz like you said he's he's a fairly small statured man and like I think that that's what in terms of his performance throughout throughout the movie and also into uh, Django, is that he is almost an unassuming person in terms of just you know general like looks and build and everything. Right. But until is, he starts to talk. Oh yeah, he is so he he can become one of the more intimidating characters um, I can I can think of, and it's just through vocal work yeah. essentially. And there's a a scene in Glorious Bastards, I think, that demonstrates this amazingly well. And it's a scene where they're interviewing uh, uh, Shoshana uh, mm-hmm. under the guise of... Uh, Picking the theater for the... Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, what's his, what's the name of the soldier? Daniel... Uh, Brule. Brule. So, he's off camera and show, is just showing Shoshana. And he asks in German of uh, Hans Landa... Mm-hmm. If he has anything to worry about, and in German he's like, that sounds suspiciously like a uh, private questioning the orders of a uh, of something or other. But just the and I don't I don't speak German, but just the tone of the that retort off camera, you're just like, don't fuck with this guy. Yep, yeah. yep. And it's just it's like that's that's amazing. To, like just the fact that that tone and that that um. That, that tone really can, can transfer across, like, across language barriers right. is like really on another level in terms of just performing, performing, uh, in a scene. It's, it's really good. Um, and he is so, God, he's like, he's so great. Like, I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't get him in The Hateful Eight, but we'll talk about that when we get to The Hateful Eight. But like, just these two movies. Like, if ever anyone deserved an Oscar more than their, performance it's it's there right there i mean yep. that that he was gonna win that oscar oh totally did he did he win twice he won for Django, Django, and for inglorious yeah Bastards? that is so awesome um god he, yeah he's he's amazing and he I'm, is i'm so glad that then because like we've gotten so much i mean i i'm gl- so, like he's worked so much in in the last like uh well his career dates back a long time in terms of like Austrian and, and uh, German movies and stuff. Uh, his earliest credit on IMDb, um, I lost it. I don't know. Anyway, he's he worked for like several years. Yeah, before yeah. Coming before over coming here. doing a, an American movie. Yeah, and it's just uh, 
I don't know. I'm going through his IMDb. I don't think I've seen any, him in anything that I didn't like. Like I didn't like his performance in, uh, in it. Uh, like he got his obligatory uh, comic book movie after Inglorious Bastards. He was the bad guy in Green Hornet, Green Hornet. I and that that was that. that was a completely forgettable movie. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot. I mm. I'm with you. There's there's nothing I've ever seen of him, and I was like, well, that was a poor performance. Well, Kristoff, right. like I he mean, was a great Bond villain. See, I never saw that either. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. I know. I know. But, I think uh, he's coming back for the next one too. Yep, that's what I heard. Uh, but he was also great in like Horrible Bosses too, and Alita: Battle Angel. Yeah, he was good. I liked him in Alita. Me too. Um, yeah, so he's he's great. But the rest of the cast also is astounding. Like one thing that I kind of wish that we would have gotten more of is that the actual like the bastards. See now. I agree, and I really feel like the uh, the bastards could have been like a standalone like HBO totally. TV show, like their exploits through mm-hmm. uh, through France. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, that would have been a really cool idea. But it's funny because going into the movie, I kind of had a different perception of what kind of movie I was getting into. I was expecting mm-hmm. like a a gory nonstop action right. Tarantino fest, and what you got was nothing of the sort. Like mm-hmm. you had a couple of scenes where they were being the bastards, but it wasn't overwhelming the movie and right. i think it was much to the film's benefit oh yeah like i i wish that there was more bastards in it but it the lack of the bastards or the way that it jumps around a little bit was not to the detriment because yeah. i would say that and we're jumping a little bit ahead but all the stuff with the theater like i just i i adored that yeah I, the, the entire theater sequence was fantastic. Absolutely. And, like, just the idea of it, like, I don't know, there's something, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, but um, there's a certain kind of lack of lack of depth, I guess, would be kind of a derogatory way to describe it. But, like, in terms of Tarantino's movie, there's not a lot below the surface that I can detect, at least. Like, it's it's very pulpy kind yeah. of, like, action stuff, which is fine. Like, totally fine. He has some of the best, like, dialogue and, and just anything in, in the game. But I feel like there's a lot more to Inglorious Bastards than in his other movies. Like, just the way that it's kind of romanticizing like cinema and the movie theater and like the movie house and how it's like literally like uh she's using film to uh take down the nazis right. it's like it's it's a it's powerful imagery and stuff and like that's another th- the reason why i'm excited for once upon a time in hollywood because that in its own unique way seems like kind of a love letter i was, I was just gonna to, say it's gonna be a love letter to hollywood i can't yeah can't wait um but here in inglorious bastards it's just like it's a kind of a powerful like imagery and everything and it's so just it it strikes that balance between just like goofy almost comedy um with like this intensity like suspense like it's there's so many suspenseful scenes in this yes in this movie you have the the beginning scene mm-hmm. you have the scene with her uh talking to um the Nazis about using the theater for the the movie. You have the scene where the bastards are in the pub that, with the SS yes. commander. That's that, an amazing scene. Like so many of these scenes could just be like their own self contained right thing. And, and like that that pub scene. Holy shit! That was 
incredible. And, like you watch that scene, you're just like, this is just getting terribly. Yep. It's like it, yep. it is. There's no oh, way yeah. around it. And it, but it's great dialogue mm-hmm. and great performance performances with Michael Fassbender. It's yes. just, it's just so good. And you just, you, you're. You watch the scene and you're like, why does this fucking drunk asshole have to ruin this yeah. entire thing? He's like, walk away, yep. man. You're fucking ruining it. Yep. It's, and I was, I was, as I was watching, cause it had been probably like a year or two since I've seen this. Um, for some reason, I couldn't remember, uh, what it was that tipped them off. Like, cause I, and I remember the, the, that, the three, yeah, yeah, I remember that Michael Fassbender did something to tip them off. And like, there were so, there's like, a, there are a few moments in it where I'm like, oh, they're getting off scot free. Maybe I'm misremembering him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they so didn't. Um, man, just so good. And, uh, Diane Kruger. Oh, yeah. She's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. for like a character that, Tarantino's kind of known for this is like introducing characters fairly late in the movie. Um, he does in all three of these. Um, th- like he packs them with so much like power and like powerful backstory that it's, it's, it's not a detriment to the runtime or anything. Like right. That. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, she, she was very good. And, mm-hmm. and she was in another scene that was just suspenseful and it was with her and, uh, Hans Landa. Yeah. And, uh, when he's kind of like saying, Telling her, like, yeah, no, it was fucking you. So, yep. yeah, so, so she was, she was in great scenes. She, I mean, she was great in the pub scene too. So, yep. yeah, I, there wasn't a bad performance out of this. I, Brad Pitt yeah. was amazing. And what's, oh, God. Oh, yeah. And like you've referenced in like, uh, the scene where from the trailer where he's, he's like, um, I want my scouts. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? He's not preaching. <laughs> like he's yelling. No, there's a word. Like he's, inspiring <laughs> inspiring announcing um podcast addressing uh, addressing i i dressing i guess he's addressing the the bastards and like it's just it's so it's so great like it's such a great like uh i don't know there's an energy to it that yeah. really carries through and like let's talk about the casting of the bastards too like bj Ram- B- yeah bj novak's yeah. like okay sam levine from freaks and geeks then yeah, um, Eli Roth. Eli Roth is the bear yeah. Jew. This is just a random amalgamation yeah. of people, which well, I I guess that yeah. you know that makes sense. You know, they're a bunch of just soldiers from mm-hmm. you know wherever in the United States. So yeah. you know, they're not all going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And but I love that about it. They're right. not the A team or anything. They're not like the crew from from Predator or anything. They're just a bunch of a bunch of guys, like, right? And like Paul Rust is in there from uh from oh god what was that movie, um he's he's he hasn't been in a bunch of he's in Love the Netflix show, um but yeah it. like just very just kind of you know not impose none of them are imposing right. figures or well Eli Roth Eli Roth pretty imposing but, but yeah um did you know Eli Roth directed the uh, Nation's Pride movie did he really uh huh oh that's I didn't know that yeah that's awesome. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was a cool little tidbit. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing, like, in the trailer for Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood, they do, like, there's a movie within the movie where, uh, it's like, sh- like, killing a bunch of Nazis and stuff. Right. Um, I kind of wonder, I wonder if that's going to be a similar kind of, like, if, if he had, like, a guest director. Uh, I guess we'll find out. But anyway. It wouldn't uh, be the first, like, Tarantino yeah. guest directed in Sin City, mm-hmm. and, like, Robert Rodriguez did some of the sound work on, uh, Baby and Glorious Bastards. Okay, nice. Um, but yeah, the the violence is so 
satisfying. Yeah, it's um, not over the top like yeah. like in like Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat real, not fully realistic, right. but more realistic than some of his other stuff has been. Carving the swastika in uh, Hans Landa's Landa 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 um, his his uh, his forehead, forehead uh, at the end. That was like the one like. Yeah, that really got. Yeah, yeah like, but also it was like I'm like sitting there like I don't know if it's just because it's Nazis or 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 if I'm just that desensitized. But I'm like, this isn't bothering me. Like, yeah, fucking do yeah, it. Fuck that guy. It. He he needs yeah. it. Um, I did, and I, I the cynic in me, like whenever when I first I'll say when I first saw the movie, the first time I saw the movie, coming out of it, it felt like it was a little self indulgent for like the last line of the movie to be. I yeah, uh, I believe this is my masterpiece. But you know what? Yeah. Was he wrong at the time? No, he wasn't. Because yeah. it was. Like I walked out of that movie just like that was amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and if he thinks it's his, ma- you know, it's not like he's saying, you know what, this is the greatest thing in the history of this. No, right. he's saying this is my, this is my best work so far. And if that's <laughs> what he thinks, I'm okay with him saying it on yeah. camera. And see, and that's the thing. Like I don't, and maybe maybe that's just a cynical viewpoint. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's maybe that wasn't intentional. Yeah, I think it was pretty yeah. evident. So, um, and maybe he doesn't feel that way now. But I think probably at the. Uh, the last part of it, it mm-hmm. he probably thought, you know, at finishing, it was like, yeah, this, I love this. I think I did an amazing job. This is my masterpiece. Mm. What if, uh, <laughs> what if the last line of, of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like, I think this is my second masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like just completely break the fourth wall and be like, hey, I found this script called Pulp Fiction that <laughs> I can make in 30 years. I don't know. Anyway, um, that went out off the road. Yeah. But- um, yeah, but, <laughs> um, the the setup like the 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 tension of like this like all the moving pieces um at the end like kind of culminating with with the destruction of the theater and everything is just so it, it's so riveting it kind of reminds me a little bit of um the kind of heist sequence in Jackie Brown sure but yeah. on like a bigger level obviously um but it's just it's what he does so damn well is plotting the It's just a shame that the intricacies. Eli Roth and uh Dominic DeCoco mm-hmm. or whatever his name in the had to just fucking blow themselves up. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah, you guys kinda got a little carried away there, huh? Forgot that you had dynamite <laughs> strapped to your uh, ankles. Yeah. So Um I did love the uh Eli Roth scene where he's coming out of the, like the I don't know if that was a tunnel or, yeah, or something. Like, like knocking bat. the baseball bat? Yeah. Yeah. And like I kept thinking, like I actually paused the movie and I Googled when The Walking Dead issue 100 uh, came out because I was like, is is Eli Roth like in baseball? Is he the original <laughs> Negan? Because um, like, issue 100, like before Negan is introduced to The Walking Dead, like that it was after. Uh Glorious bastards. And glorious bastards. So I wonder if there's any influence there. Um, yeah, because yeah. I don't know if you know this piece of trivia. Um, at no point in any entertainment media or anything, a baseball bat was never used for violence. Yeah, never. Um, before uh, ever, glorious yeah. bastards. Not that I could ever think of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so imposing. Like, I feel like Roth is ripped. Like, first of all, yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, and he's just like that. Again, just the intensity, like the dialogue and, and the way that it's just built up is just really good. I love the the line when he tells him to fuck off. He's like, actually, you know, we're all just tickled to hear you say that. Seeing <laughs> yeah. uh, seeing him bash your guys' heads in as closely we get to seeing the movie these days. Yes. 
<laughs> so good. And then as soon as he's like done just demolishing this guy, he goes into full like New Yorker right. uh, kind of uh, uh, dialect and stuff. <laughs> it's like it's it's just I don't know. It's just, it's it, really good. it's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. How'd you feel about the story overall? Like, I thought it was a great story. Like, yeah. it's obviously it's you know fictionalized history, which it's fine because sure. it's it's a movie. Yeah, the, I, I thought it was they did a really good job of bringing all the little story pieces together at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, I love how one piece of the story affects what's going to happen with the others. Like the they're talking about the change of venue, and they're like, I don't, "No one knows why this venue is changing." Like, I know yeah. why because this guy has a crush on this. So I like yeah. how it all just kind of culminates in the big story at the end, and then boom. Yep. So yeah, yeah, literally. Was, <laughs> yeah, literally boom. Yeah. Uh, the the Daniel Brule's I guess relationship with Shoshana in the movie is so interesting to me like that it has so many interesting kind of layers to it like his him kind of courting her in a sense or trying to or trying to yeah trying to is so like that was some of the more compelling (laughs) that was like the most compelling non hans landa stuff like why would this soldier think that yeah you know parisian would be okay with the advances and that's what i love about it because he is like he's he's like a nazi and like he is so maybe i'm reading more into it but it's like he's so caught up in the faux um uh humbleness of his stature within within his ranks and everything like he's a celebrity and everything like he kind of tries to use that to impress her right but it's like no you're a fucking monster right (laughs) that's not you're a nazi guy calm down yeah it's just it's but so he doesn't see it like that you know exactly. he and he he's a war hero mm-hmm. and you know that he's viewed that way through his ranks so yeah. he thinks that that should gain him favor with everybody yep and i think that that's some of the more interesting writing that tarantino's done yeah. at least in this at this stage of his career i just think that that's really interesting the way that those, that character is drawn, and, and I like that. how she's like, "Stop being a child. You you know why I don't want to fucking talk to you." Yeah, and just at the added, um, uh, like, okay, we talked a little bit about in one of the past movies that I can't remember now. Uh, the kind of oh, Kill Bill, like the kind of lack of backstory or the delayed backstory yeah. that we get. Whereas, like here in Inglorious Bastards, we get immediate backstory. Like her character, we are introduced to her in that opening scene and like so we have that context and like even though yeah it, it could just be written off as like oh well he's a nazi he's a monster and everything that's why it's also because you know her, her family, family was yeah. murdered um hunted and murdered and everything and it's just it's so it's so really like the it might be one it's very high up there for one of my favorite like tarantino movies um just because i i love that layer that extra layer to it It, it's high up there i i go back and forth from what my favorite tarantino movie is so well next week we are going to have to rank our tarantino movies okay that's that's the it's the rule that's the rule i was also gonna i could probably get that done i me too yeah i mean it'll be it'll be like that like how I'm feeling at that particular time of right. recording because it'll fluctuate. But um, I also wanted to say, like maybe we could try to like discuss like some of the other like uh, his segment in uh, Sin City 
and like maybe talk about True Romance a little bit, even though you didn't. I've never it. seen it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, very good. Very good. I hear. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Inglorious Bastards. Anything else? I feel like we. Did you notice? Well, obviously, you you notice the cameo of Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarantino's two cameos. Oh, I can't remember now. He is one of the uh, Nazis getting scalped in the forest scene. Okay, I missed that. But isn't he also in Nation's Pride? No, okay. he is the hands that are strangling uh, Diane Kruger. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. And Harvey Keitel is the voice of the general over the radio that's making the deal with Hans Land at oh, the no end. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's awesome. I did, yeah, I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. The more you know. Yep. Um, Michael Fassbender was really good. And, like, I forgot just how brief he's in the movie. Yeah, he is. He, you know, he's introduced. Boom. He, Michael Myers, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought that was random, but I thought it worked. Yep. Yep. I kind of wish that... The, I don't know how it works with like, you know, unions or whatever, but like, I kind of wish that, that his name wasn't in the opening credits because like, that would have been a nice little surprise. Mike right. Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, this is ridiculous. How do you feel about his performance here versus Bohemian Rhapsody? Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Two really two English guys. Movies. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else on. This, uh, the kind of climactic death scenes, um, overall, like, uh, I'm thinking more in terms of just Shoshana and her end. Yeah, there's the destruction the, of the theater. It, like, not talking about the destruction of the theater, but her last, uh, scene with, uh, Dan- Daniel Brule, mm-hmm. I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. So. And we'll talk about this this technique in the hateful eight when we get to it, but the use of like slow motion, um, I thought was good here. <laughs> yeah. I'd... Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it in hateful eight, but here I thought it was, it was, it was, it was appropriate for the action that was happening. Um, uh, I feel like there was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember now. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that's Inglourious Bastards. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. A uh, very good movie. Tarantino says he will never reveal why he misspells bastards. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Well, yeah. I'm- <laughs> the reason he misspelled bastards is in Marcellus Wallace's suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was funny because I was, uh, when I watched Inglourious Bastards, I was going to, um, immediately follow it up with watching Pet Cemetery because uh, me and Tiny were going to review right, it on yeah. Tower Drunkies and we ended up reviewing it on Tower Drunkies but I just thought like it didn't pan out that way but I just I was really bummed because I really wanted like my letterbox to be like Inglorious Bastards and Pet Cemetery, like two movies that have misspelled titles <laughs> um, like the misspelling double feature but yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway um, next time but <laughs> Uh, yeah, the think that'll do it for Inglorious Best. That'd do. Shall we move on to, uh, my god, Django Unchained? Django! Yes. So here is a clip from the trailer for Django Unchained, and we are gonna go into it now. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention.
How do you like the bounty hunting business? Kill white folks and they pay you for it? What's not to like? I like the way you die, boy. He is a rambunctious sword, ain't he? <laughs> What's your name? Django. The D is silent. So... I have to get this off my chest. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not. So I have a Voodoo account um, where I have a digital library of digital purchases. And right. And Voodoo has this really cool feature where you can it, – like it's through Walmart that you can buy – it's disc plus digital. So like you can buy a physical physical purchase of a Blu-ray. They will send you the Blu-ray through the mail, through Walmart – but they will give you access to the digital copy immediately. I think so. you've brought this up on before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it bummed me out because like the like the there was no digital copy on it because like I I like to give a friend of the show uh, Robert not you right. um, <laughs> digital copies like we swap digital copies with that. So I was like bummed because like I didn't get a digital copy with that even though I have a digital copy. But anyway, week. Yeah. Also, it feels like the the disc was or the the casing was tampered. It was like a used copy. Anyway. Uh, Django Unchained. Um, so, I did see this in the theater. I actually remember somewhat vividly, um, I saw this in the theater as, like, one of those, like, kind of Sunday afternoon after it had been out for a while. So, like, it was, like, one of the smaller auditoriums, and I don't remember... I feel like maybe only like two or three people were in the theater with me. Oh, really? Yeah, it was one of those because it was like it was late in the in the mm, theater on the run. run. Um, it may have also been one of those situations where um, a uh, yeah, yes, oh my god, yeah, uh, an older couple <laughs> were were seeing the movie and they clearly did not know they didn't know what they were getting what into. They were getting into. They ended up leaving. I think uh. <laughs> after like twenty minutes. Um, and I was like, that's so weird. They're so offended by seeing him on a horse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but Django Unchained. Um, first of all, uh, theater experience, did you see it? I, yeah, I saw it in the theater. I, in fact, I didn't get it to see it when I wanted to. Our plan was to go see it because it dropped on Christmas Day. Oh, okay. And I, it's tradition. We always go see a movie on Christmas Day, and we were going nice. to go see that one. It was sold out. Oh, nice. So I didn't get to go see it then, so I had to wait like a week or two to see it. But mm-hmm. I did see it in the theater. And Do you remember what you saw on Christmas Day instead? <sighs> Maybe Jack Reacher. Oh, okay. That's not a bad I think that might, that might have been it, but hmm. yeah. Hmm. I was disappointed. I really wanted to see Django and Yeah. Trend. Huh. It's all right then. Uh, yeah. So, how excited were you about it? I was extremely excited. I was pumped from the get go, just because you're coming off of Inglorious Bastards, and then the trailers had me hooked on this one too. You bought, you brought back Christoph Waltz, like the whole premise, like Tarantino Western. I was, I was sold. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna see this, and it's gonna be great. Yep. Uh, I was very much looking forward to it too, and I remember really liking it in the theater and well, I, I remember enjoying it in the theater. I think it was one of those situations where I was kind of tired. Um, and I don't know if this, cause I just rewatched it a couple days ago and I think that that was the first time I've seen it since the theater. Oh wow. No, I've seen this multiple times since yeah. theater. It's, uh, it's interesting. So let's dig into it. First of all, Christoph Waltz again, knocks it out of the park. Incredible. Um, <laughs> 
just amazing it, opening scene. An amazing opening scene. Amazing subsequent scenes. Yeah. Um, he has this energy to him again. Like he's not. It's. It was so nice to see him play like that. Like kind of other side of the coin. Right. Like it's good to actually like his character for being a good exactly good guy. So, um, and he's just God. That guy. He, he just he knows how to he steals the scenes. I he mean, really he, does. he's just he you can't take your eyes off him. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing uh just vivid performance. Mm-hmm. He's he's great. And he communicates so much in his performance. Like at the end we're skipping well ahead, but in the end when he shoots Candy, it's and like just the way he just looks at Django and he's like I couldn't resist it. Right, yeah. He's blown away. Like oh my god, I like oh, I'm so glad he got the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, he again deserved every bit of it. Yep. Um, how did you feel? What do you? How did you feel about Tarantino in a Western setting? Like, how did you feel he captured the Western kind of film? Well, first of all, I think Tarantino has an amazing eye for the cinematography of westerns. Yeah, I think he knocks it out of the park, mm-hmm. and every single. Uh, atmosphere that they are in, uh, he just has great panoramic vi- uh, vision, and he it's very much like he's got that Western cinematography down. Totally, totally agree. And it almost makes me wish that he had done Western sooner, just for that panoramic kind of view. Because like, I, there's something about the way that he shoots those like vistas. That is just it brings you into the time and the world so freaking well. Yeah, it, it's it, every shot is beautiful, especially his wide shots for this movie are incredible. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, jumping around a little bit, the, uh, the they're not they're not the KKK. They're like the proto the the prototype KKK. I yeah, like the name of it, but yeah, the, the they were gonna be the KKK. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, <laughs> So great. <laughs> oh, that scene is amazing. I loved it. I think we're all saying that it was good <laughs> in, theory, in theory, but has to have a better execution. <laughs> I'm just, fuck y'all, I'm going home. <laughs> Jonah Hill's random performance. Oh my God, that was great. Yeah, that, I, just, I think I made it worse. <laughs> that's such a good scene because it's, it's so, so ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. But you could just see these hillbillies have, <laughs> having this conversation. Oh, and the satisfaction of just them blowing up the the wagon right. is just so great. Um, it kind of uh, remind. Well, I guess this reminds me of that. But um, in Red Dead Redemption Two, when you kind of come across, there's like a part where you, where you come across the, the, the KKKs the and they set themselves on fire. Yeah, yeah. so great. Um, yeah, so the. The kind of the relationship between Django and uh, Doctor King Schultz. Uh, how did you feel about their relationship and how it developed and everything? That kind of nurturing, kind of uh, mentor mentee kind of relationship. I think it was like that? I had a I had a great time with their relationship. I thought they had a lot of good chemistry from the get go, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting watching the whole relationship evolve from the point where he first meets Django to the to the end. Mm-hmm. Like the part where he brings him to the the town after he had just purchased him, and he shoots the guy down, and and yes. Django's just like the fuck is going on here (laughs) like and then towards the end when you have the instance where they stop the uh 
stop the wagon so they can have that conversation and Django's telling them why he's acting the way like the that dynamic the change of dynamic is yes evolves very well on on screen so great um that first scene when they're in Daughtry Texas when he shoots the guy shoots the sheriff and then they go inside the, they go inside the uh the bar and just wait for the marshal yeah. and everything um like this is just this is not a substantive kind of critique or anything or comment or anything but just like just the way that the beer looks it looks delicious oh my, like i remember like being in the theater and like being like i, I don't want a beer. beer man yeah like just the way they shaves the shaves the 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 head off of it with the, the thing it's just like the close shots and yeah it looks it, yeah. It, the the pour sounds amazing yes. yeah it's just oh it's the best yeah. sh- poured beer on film ever i i would think so too yeah. it, it rivals um the beer uh the animated beer in the simpsons yeah it does um, it does yeah yeah, yeah. so good well done quentin yeah uh awakening some alcoholism in me. <laughs> but um no but uh yeah he just again christoph waltz has this energy to him like he is the the like he he's a scene stealer and he is someone who commands every scene he's in and it's just it's so interesting because he's got this energy to him that is so um scene steely i guess would be the word i i I enjoy watching the dynamic of him being so overtly joyful and pleasant to some of the worst human beings on the face of the planet until you know Leonardo finally sends him over the edge. Right. But yeah, like his stuff with Don Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. when they get to, uh, his plantation is good. So good. The, the dynamic between them. Uh, and I love, I love the scene where he's trying to, he's like, just, you know, you're to treat, uh, Django here as if uh, he were Django Freeman here just as you would uh, treat me and so he like tells the slave girls like you were to treat him he's like so you want me to treat him you saying you want me to treat him like a white man no I did not say that <laughs> yeah. like I, I love that and then you pretty much get the idea that he's telling her to treat him like the special needs guy in right. the middle of town so yeah this is like the, how he interacts with these people is is fantastic incredible and his interactions with uh, interactions with leo toward the end is like like it, one scene that stood out to me is when he's about to make the deal for uh for Broomhilda and he gets interrupted by Samuel L Jackson it's like like you like he has this glee this energy to him when he's going to pull something over on someone and just like the the kind of exasperated just like kind of quiet but just very like Oh god, this dude's fucking everything up. Kind You're of right. Thing. It's just like it's such a 180, and it's so subtle and and nice. Like it's it's such a good performance. Um, how'd you feel about the the whole journey to Broomhilda and and Django's? I I liked seeing. Uh, I could have watched a lot more of Django and Schultz's escapades throughout through the winter yeah. of collecting the bounties. Uh, I could have gone a lot of that, mm-hmm. but what we got was fantastic. Totally. Um, that's another thing. Like, I would, I would love to see, like, a, uh, <laughs> not Disney Plus spinoff, but like, like that kind of like, just like a Netflix original right, uh, series. Eight, like eight episodes eight of. Eight episodes of Django and, and Dr. 
King Schultz in like eight episodes of The Inglorious Bastards. Um, just like I would love to see like just limited series of that. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, so Leonardo DiCaprio. This was his first villain role, I believe, in his career. Was it? I believe so. Yeah. He's interesting. Never played a villain. Um, I find it interesting that you consider him a villain in this. In this. Um, <laughs> well. Uh, uh, yeah, he he's uh perhaps he's, property owner. I um I just <laughs> um I'm just kidding. He is very much a villain. Yes, thank you. Um, so uh yeah, and I thought he was fantastic. I man, I really thought this was going to be his Oscar year because yeah. I like he is incredible in this mm-hmm. role. Like he's so vile, mm-hmm. but he does it. It's so well that you just can't help but I won't even say you like him, but right. you he's just a great character. Yeah, he's got like a a kind of charm to him, but the charm is from like uh, deep seated racism yeah. and, <laughs> and just from a sense of um, uh, power over others. Right, and it's like that comes through, but it's not like. It's not like overtly threatening or anything. It's like he's he's lulling you into like this kind of charming thing. I mean, he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. You know, he uh you know, he <laughs> uh he, he died in the Titanic for our sins. <laughs> um, but uh but yeah, he's he's just so uh, it, it's magnetic. An, it's amazing watching him and Christoph Waltz play off one another. Oh my God. Because th- those two they're in, it's a great dynamic going back and forth with them. Totally. And it's, it's fun seeing, like, they both, the upper hand switches between mm-hmm. them, like, a few times throughout the dynamic of, of their scenes, and it's very interesting yeah. to watch. I, I love that you said the upper hand, since it culminates in a handshake, or oh, yeah. lack thereof. Um, and that was, like, the tension of that, just the way that Tarantino can write tension is, like, they, these are two men that are arguing over whether or not they're going to shake hands at the end of a business transaction. Right. And like, it's deeper than that. There's more to it than that. But just like on the surface, that is the, that is the thing. Like I'm sitting there thinking like, just don't just, just fucking shake it. Yeah, shake a hand. Be shake done, hand. man. Yo, yeah. And like, I couldn't really remember exactly how it played out. Cause to be honest, I kind of, for some reason, and I'm so happy that this isn't, wasn't the case, but for some reason I had it in my head that he, that, that Christoph Waltz character died like halfway through the movie. Oh yeah. No. Um, I have no idea why I thought that. And I was so delighted when he's remained up being alive, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like that, that handshakes, like just the dialogue is so great. And it's just, it, it, it ends so well. It does. Uh, well, it ends spectacularly. I wouldn't yes. say it ends well, but right, right. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's kind of shitty too because you know they, they're gonna get out of there. Mm-hmm. But his uh, his actions kind of fuck over Django and Brumilda. So it does. They they do. But I love how they seeded that with like him, like with like seeing uh, D'Artagnan being devoured by the dogs. And right. Yeah. So, like he has that kind of. Um, he has that pulling force to him that like he can't live with that. Right. Like, no, and, and I get it, but yeah, he just he puts them in a bad position. Yeah. Oh yeah. That. Fu- oh my god. Oh, that gunfight gun scene fight. is amazing. Like there is something like westerns. Like I, I've seen I've seen a few westerns here and there, like Magnificent Seven, Three Ten to Yuma, 
Tombstone, like those those types of ones. But like, there is something about a good like Western fight scene or gunfight. There's something to the sound design of like the revolver, oh, the, the revol- yeah, yes. you know, bringing the hammer back, yes, the, yeah, t- unholstering it. Like, there's something to that sound that is just so satisfying to me, and it's just like, and then the actual gunfight is just it. Yeah, it's, it's really it's well a done. great great gunfight. Yeah, and it kind of to kind of contrast the action in Django with the action in like say Kill Bill Volume One, um, and Volume Two for that matter. Like the it's interesting, like the blood in those movies is just like fountains of blood right. and everything. Whereas in Django, it's like it's like that mist of blood, and it's just so like it it worked for me. Like there's when he is kind of. Uh, pinned down in the corner and he has to like wipe his face from the blood it's just like it's like it's it's incredible or just hiding behind the body and the guy keeps on shooting yes. the body and he's just a poof, poof, yep. poof. yeah it's so great it is a very well chore- choreographed scene yep um so good what do you think of samuel L. jackson also oh i love his character me too it's it, it's a very interesting character too mm-hmm. one samuel L. jackson plays plays it fantastically and it's one of those yeah he's supposed to be uh and i don't say evil but a kind of a bad guy but yeah. it's from a place that it's not really his fault right that he is the way he is it's it's mm-hmm. the the way that you know he's been his family's been owned right for so long that his personality is embedded within the ownership dynamic of this right. uh of the plantation so while he's a character you're supposed to hate you kind of feel sorry for him in the totally. same time oh yeah so, and i think samuel jackson does a great job of like bringing of showing that dynamic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like his physical performance in that too oh yeah he's, like the way like he, he like, moves so slowly and he's i there's something to his his delivery of the lines it's like he is it's like he's like it's kind of embodying what you just said like he is uh somewhat evil by circumstance yeah uh, like he's it's like he's, it's a survival mechanism yes. for him because if he doesn't behave this way you know it's to his detriment mm-hmm. but he's been doing it for so long that it's right. now ingrained in him yep. so he has no problem being angry that a black man's gonna be sleeping and uh using the good sheets up in that right. in the big house and that this black man's gonna be talking to people the way he does it's mm-hmm. it's ingrained in him now yeah and you know he's so old that it's just the way it's mm-hmm. it been just beat into him yep and it's just it's tragic and the the last interaction between him and Django is just it's it's powerful like oh, yeah. i fucking love it when Django's like um how many how many slaves have come through like that like uh 5 or 5000 7000 9000 10000 whatever and then just kind of just kills them yeah uh so so satisfying um just ever oh god i love the i love the gunplay in this movie yeah it is super good yeah what did you think to kind of backtrack a little bit what did you think of Django's upbringing as a uh as a bounty hunter um like that dynamic i know i know we talked about how we wish we would have seen more of of them kind of traveling and and collecting bounties and stuff how did you feel about the actual like teaching moments with with him good it, it was very like a uh Mentor, ment- mm-hmm. mentoree, or is that menti, menti, yeah. uh, Dyna- Mentos, M- Mentos, the fresh yeah. maker. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I really like it. Really showed the evolution of their 
those two characters too and the relationship that they share. Yeah. So, yeah. They're they great scenes. Like any scene that had Christoph Waltz interacting with somebody else was a great, totally. it's a great scene. Yep. And, uh, well, <laughs> uh, so, okay. The, I can't remember the name of the mining company and everything, but the, but, Quentin Tarantino's scene. He was a bit over the top. He was. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? Like, come on. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. It is. But it's... also... I don't think he can pull off an Australian accent. No. And uh, uh, it was kind of cool to see him get excited. Blow up, yeah. That was cool. But it was just like, that was a little... A little much. I did like that it was Michael Parks was one of the other ones. Yeah, um, yeah, he was I, the other I'd guy. I forgotten that he, was, that he was one of them. I did too until I saw that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, was the third someone of note? I can't remember. I don't remember. If he was, I don't know who okay. he was. Um, but yeah, at that point, when he takes them out and then he um, gets the dynamite and then he is he's riding back to Candyland, uh, just like that that moment, like it's scored by a John Legend song, I think. And just like, it's just, it's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. It's just like that. Uh, kind of power that he has yeah. in that is just really good. Um, him and Walt, uh, Jamie Foxx and Walter Goggins, the scenes were really yes, good too. Walton Goggins. Well, oh, sorry, Walton Goggins. Yes. Yeah, th- those were great scenes. Like oh he, he, he's such a, he's just a prick. He is, and he does he such is. a good job pr- playing a prick. He's, he's like I of course adore him as an actor from The Shield. Right. Yeah, he I've was, never seen it, but yeah, he was, uh, he was the. Basically, and I won't go into detail or anything, but like he was, he was like the co-lead of the Shield. Like he played this just such a fascinating character that he is like this despicable character. He's like he's he's kind of a, a mentee of the main like kind of like evilish kind of bad cop character in it, but he has no moral compass in it, and he's just greedy. So like his arc throughout all seven seasons is like he's he's getting into shit that he should not be getting into and he needs to get like shoveled out of it. <laughs> and it's just it's such an interesting night and he plays it so beautifully. And I'm I was so happy when I found out that he was going to be in a Tarantino movie <laughs> and I was even more happy when I realized that he had like a much bigger role in and hatefully yeah. Like just if there was one actor who, like, I feel like could, uh, would, would be very well suited to the Tarantino kind of, uh, troupe of, of characters, like, it's Walton Goggins. And I, I was so happy to see him, uh, get that. Um, yeah, so he was great. And. Zoe Bell was in it as well, although yes. it didn't, didn't have a big role, right. but she, she, uh, got to see her again, even yeah. though she wore a, a bandana the entire time. Right, right. But. That was cool. Yep. That was cool. What was Amber Tamblin doing? Who's Amber Tamblin? She is. <laughs> she oh god, I can't remember what the show was, but she was in some show where she was like a, um, a wheelchair wheelchair bound like Christian girl, who I don't know, but she she's now married to the dude that plays Tobias on Arrested Development. Anyway, she's an actress. And she's in like, like she's in the town in Daughtry when they, fir- the first time they go to after, after, uh, Christoph Waltz gets him. Um, she's like in the window, like there's a shot of her in the window, like staring down at him. And then there, she's not in it anymore. I have no idea. Like, it's, it's so, it's so random and so weird. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's in it. And, <laughs> um, uh, anything else on it? You, this is a st- maybe not a stupid question, but I doubt that you'll say yes or anything. Have you 
seen any of the Django movies? No, uh, yeah. no. Um, which I was always kind of confused about that. I didn't do my research or anything, but it's just you know, it's not like a direct. I, from my understanding, it's there's no connection really, except yeah. for just the name. Yeah. So I. And is the original Django the guy who asks him to spell the name? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, I just love there. Like, let's talk about Jamie Fox because we haven't really talked that much about his performance or anything. I love. Oh, his performance is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so good. So good. Like the like, there's uh like the scene where he kills MC Ganey and at the plantation. And he's like, I like the way you die, boy. I'm right. Like, that is so. That <laughs> Got him. When he's wearing this ridiculous right. outfit, too. you mean you wore that on purpose? <laughs> so good, and like Jamie Fox is just amazing, and he does a great job playing the the black slaver uh, mm. role for Christoph Waltz. Yes. So it's that that was a lot of fun watching that uh, watching him perform too. Yes, and I loved that. Like you said earlier, the uh, where they where they kind of stop and like they're they're regrouping and everything, and like like Christoph Waltz's character is kind of breaking a little bit, and like it's it's. It's kind of cool to see that it's like Jamie Foxx that has to kind of like talk him. Kind of rein him in. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's such a cool dynamic um, for the for the movie. Um, Django's yeah. horse at the end that he's riding on? Yes. That's Jamie Foxx's horse. Is it really? It is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I did not know that. Yep. I did not know he had a horse. He has a horse. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That is apparently cool. Jamie Foxx is big into the uh, kind of the dressage uh, training of the horses. Oh, really? So, yeah, hence why the horse is doing all those little tricks at the end. Oh, okay. Huh. Yep. Is, is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had, I had no idea. Awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. a horse guy. Yeah. Hey. Cool. Yeah. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to go into it, but I know that a member of your family is into that. Yeah. 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 Have you ever have you ever ridden a horse? I have ridden several horses. Really? Uh huh. Wow. D- have you ever? Okay. <laughs> I can't even do it with a straight face. <laughs> so dumb. Have you ever taken one to like an old town road? Uh, yeah. 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 I couldn't anymore. Yeah. yeah. Take. I often take my horse to the old town road. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, my nephews are really into that song, and it's really funny because they'll sing along to it. But then, after like that first line, they'll start mumbling because they have no fucking clue <laughs> what the rest of it is. Um, like I went over to my sister's for dinner like a week or so ago, and like they started playing that and everything. And then my sister was just like looking at me like, "Kill me now, please kill me now." I'm so sick of this fucking song. Making your um, ringtone. Yeah. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on Django Unchained? This is one of the movies of the Tarantino bunch that s- tries to sneak its way into number one for me. And that's really interesting. Um, I am conflicted with it. Because there's one thing that I didn't really talk about. And it's... I feel like, for some reason, I don't think the dialogue is as... As... Like, uh, as commanding as the other movies. Like, I think it's a story that does it for me. Yeah, so. and that's fair. That's totally fair. Like the story, I love the story, and I love the performances. But I feel like there was something missing to the dialogue specifically. Like there are a lot of scenes where characters are sitting there talking and everything, and they're great. But it's like we don't get, like, like I don't think of Django Unchained as having like scenes where. 
like, oh my god, this this scene of dialogue is like comparable to, like the as memorable as like the say what again right yeah. scene or or um several other scenes that I'm completely blanking on <laughs> um, uh, from Tarantino's oeuvre. But I, I just feel like, like the, I don't know. Like, okay, the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards is incredible because of the dialogue and the tension that, that Christoph Waltz brings to it. And the opening scene of Django is really great too, but like, I feel like there was just something missing in the dialogue department. Like, it didn't have like that signature Tarantino kind of charm to it. And I don't know what accounts for that. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't feel that. Okay. So I, I don't know. I thought the opening scene was very Tarantino-esque. Uh, the dialogue between, uh, Candy and Schultz, uh, oftentimes, especially when they first meet, I, I think is really well done. Mm-hmm. And the scene where, uh, Candy, uh, Candy is explaining after he knows what's going on now, and mm-hmm. then he brings in the skull and does that big, yeah. uh, production. I think that was, that was that was good. I'll, I'll give you that scene. But like the other scenes, I kind of feel like they're more driving the plot than, which is th- there's nothing wrong with that. But it feels like it's more more to drive the plot than to entertain us with witty kind of dialogue and kind of like you might argue that some of the other movies that that Tarantino's done uses dialogue as a distraction or a diversion from maybe not diversion from plot, but like it is first and first and foremost, just colorful, colorful dialogue that is memorable and, and witty and everything. Whereas Django is more plot driven. Like, like the scenes where they are talking like Schultz and, uh, and candy are talking, it's more transaction based and everything. It's more like talking about the actual deals and everything. Right. It's not, I, I feel like the, there was something missing in terms of just talking, like in terms of dialogue. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, you got all your dial, all the dialogue you want in the next one. So <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah. So let's close up Django Unchained. Um, I don't know where it'll rank. We'll talk about that next time. But uh, for the most part, it's a very entertaining movie. I will give it that. The performances are incredible, and it's even though it lacks some of the dialogue uh, signatures of Tarantino's other work, it is still a pretty entertaining movie. So yeah. Any closing thoughts? Nope, I love it. All right. So let's go on to our third of this episode and ninth of the retrospective. Uh, the uh, Ninth? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, because Tarantino counts. Kill Bill is one movie. So uh, our ninth of our retrospective, uh, The Hateful Eight. Uh, here's a clip from the trailer. This here is Daisy Domergue. She's wanted dead or alive for murder. When that sun comes out, I'm taking this woman to hell. Is there anybody here committed to stopping me from doing that? Well, well, well. Looks like Minnie's haberdashery is about to get cozy for the next few days. Yes, it does. So, the hateful eight, Fecus theater experience. Um, How'd you feel? Well, I went into this movie uh, with very high expectations because the trailer had me uh, hooked immediately. Theater experience, I walked out of it just kind of meh. Like, I thought it was overly long. Um, like, I, I thought some of the some of the scenes were a little bit overly over the top. Okay. And, like, the, I enjoyed the performances. I, I thought mm-hmm. the performances all around were, were fantastic, but I just, I walked out of this just not really caring for the movie. 
Interesting. And it was like the first time I ever walked out of a Tarantino movie like that. Wow. Does uh, I, I was gonna ask a leading question like, does that make you nervous for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, it does not. But well, so going into it though, were you excited about? Yeah, it? I was like, super excited for it. I, like I, the, the I thought the you? trailers had had me hooked. Uh, okay. You know, Kurt Russell looked like he was gonna be great, and uh, Samuel Jackson again. Like mm-hmm. I, I loved the premise. Yeah. So, but you know, I. I just was underwhelmed by the execution. Okay. Um, I went into the theater fairly excited about it. I, I think at that point I was kind of not over Tarantino, but I was kind of like over the hype surrounding it. I think that that kind of stemmed from liking Django, but kind of just not really like having a desire to really watch it again. Um, also something we didn't talk about in the Django and chain review um, the internet kind of went a little bit crazy and overboard by, uh, celebrating Leonardo DiCaprio, which he did a, vi- like, he did it, he gave an incredible performance, but every, like, discussion about it, um, always reverted back to the fact that he, like, he actually cut his cut head. Cut his head, yeah, everyone yeah, was like, like, oh, okay, became, we get, yeah, it became like a big meme and everything, I'm like, okay, that's, fine i've i've read this several times like you're not clever for regurgitating this piece of trivia um but going into the theater and everything i first of all i was bummed that it didn't from what i understand it didn't play at the state museum in 70 millimeter like i was very excited to see it in 70 millimeter the roadshow edition of it that they had the overture and everything the additional footage um i really wanted to see it but it wasn't playing at the at the one seventy millimeter IMAX screen that we have here because the Force Awakens was taking up the screen. Damn uh, Star Wars! Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that Disney like kind of like forced that, like they like they flexed like that. Their that power. sounds like Disney. Yeah, but uh, but the Force Awakens was great though. So <laughs> I mean, that's fine. But yeah, so I was bummed that I didn't get to see that version of it. But when I came out, like I came out of it thinking like, man, this was. This was what this the hateful eight, in my opinion, really exercised the strengths of Tarantino as a storyteller, because I was super into the mystery of it. The fact that like the audacity of him to make a movie like him being such a such a celebrated and and unique visionary filmmaker, like like that's kind of a kind of a um Ah, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Like kind of, kind of a um, cliched, like adjective or whatever. But he is a very visionary sure. filmmaker. But the audacity of him to have like a scene, uh, like a like a single setting movie, uh, for the most part, it was just like it was really interesting because like it didn't have those flourishes that can I don't know distract you from. Not that he's ever really had like a weak story or anything, but like he doesn't have like it doesn't have those flashes of like um like cool like a cool car chase or uh a gimp and everything <laughs> he doesn't have like the room for those types of like uh big moments he just has like big moments between characters and right somewhat claustrophobic blizzard setting um which i i recently rewatched it in like january i think when it was snowing here and uh, like i ended up falling asleep after afterwards so i didn't get to do my double feature but i wanted to do a uh snowed in double feature so i wanted to watch the hateful eight and then immediately follow it with the shining <laughs> 
Um, wow, that's a long bit of mo- exactly. movie watching. But uh, I really, really like this movie. Um, the cast is amazing. The dialogue is is really great. There's not a bad cast member in yeah. this. And, the return of Michael Madsen. Yes. Um, um, again, the Quentin Tarantino seems to be the one person that can pull like a ridiculously good performance out of yeah. Michael Madsen. Yeah. So, so how did you? So okay. Before we talk about how you feel about it now, having rewatched it, like reiterate, like what did you like? How did you feel coming out of like, it? Like I just thought it was overly long. The di- like I felt at the time that the dialogue was it, Tarantino was just trying to be extra Tarantino. Is how I felt. Like we get it, you're a clever uh, screenwriter, mm-hmm. and I just felt like a lot of the dialogue didn't really do anything for the story. It's just you hearing people talk for the sake of talking. Interesting. And, you know, I just, by the end of it, I just felt like, I just felt exhausted from the movie. And, yeah, I didn't really have any inclination to ever watch it again. Okay. So, now that you have watched it again, (laughs) uh, you've been forced against your will to watch it again. Uh, Did your opinion improve at all? So, the way I watch it again is I watched the extended version on Netflix, which is cut up into four different uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh and I think that helped the movie for me a lot. Okay. Uh, I actually ended up enjoying it a lot more than I w- really was expecting to. And I think it was because, you know, I watched two episodes one night and two episodes oh, the second nice. night. So it really broke it up. So it didn't seem overly long. And this way, I really appreciated the dialogue a lot more and the mystery of the film and the characters themselves. So I actually walked out or not walked out, right. ended my viewing. Kind of yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> ended my viewing of it. Actually, kind of, I would even say enjoying it. Nice. So, and I think that really helped with the breaking it up into into segments. I can understand that. Yeah, Yeah. because it is a very long and kind of it commands your attention. It does um, for a long period of time. Um, (laughs) I think uh, I love this movie just because I I love hearing Kurt Russell say Damargu. (laughs) <laughs> um, just the way that that word comes out of his mouth is just really great. Um, I do want to pose a question for you. In the ter- in terms of Quentin Tarantino bounty hunters, John Ruth versus Dr. King Schultz, who do you prefer? Whew, um, you know, if I'm going for... Um, like a bounty hunter that you would... Like the embodies an actual bounty hunter, I would mm-hmm. say uh, uh, Russell Crowe's portrayal. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. What? Yes. Russell Crowe. Crow. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Russell. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell's portrayal was a lot more like actual bounty hunter, authentic yeah. bounty hunter, and so I, I really enjoyed. Like he was amazing. Like oh, his, yeah. his performance is is incredible. incredible. Yep. So I have nothing but good things to say about Kurt Russell mm. in this movie. Um. Yeah, I I agree completely. Like. Seeing, I, I want to say, no, well, one of, like, this movie, and then, like, a year or two later, um, God, what was that movie that he was in? Uh, Bone Tomahawk? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch it. I hear good yeah. things. It's, it's really good. Yeah. But, like, seeing those two movies in somewhat short spans of each other, I'm like, 
Kurt, like I don't want Kurt Russell to do any other genre than Western. Like I want him to, he is a Western guy. <laughs> like I want him, like the rest of his career to be just a character in Western movies. Um, cause he just embodies that. Like, he does. He, he so really well. is a very caricature of a, of a Western yes. identity. So yeah. Um, and I loved, oh my God, I can't remember her name. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yes. Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, really good. Oh like, no, she's amazing. Amazing, despicable. Yeah. And although it's it's pretty uh jarring at first to watch him just punch her in the, the face. Shit yeah. He's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Just really, uh, really intense. Yeah. Really kind of fucked up. Um, and again, just the way he says Domergu, it's just it's great. It is good. Um, yeah. Uh, so the interactions between him and like Samuel L. Jackson and, uh, Walton Goggins, uh, Walton like the, Goggins. Oh, he's, he's incredible oh in this movie. Oh my God. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. I, I was so honestly like, okay, Walton Goggins, I was so like, it, like I was just so happy that he was in this movie and he had such a prominent role in this movie. And then you get Bruce Dern, who I had just seen nebraska yeah um very soon before like like a year or two before that and like like nebraska blew me like it is i'm like that movie that's a good movie blew me the hell away um and just like just the cast in this movie is just insane yeah even the first time i saw it i would not take anything away from the cast like the performances were incredible and bruce dern was so despicably good as this just crotchety old uh southern general Mm mm-hmm so good. So, did you find yourself? Uh, so, you said that you were kind of lukewarm. Like when you first saw it, you were uh, you kind of felt like he was being a little overindulgent. Yeah. You know, uh, were you at least like intrigued by the by the mystery or anything? I th- a little bit, but I I felt like I know it takes a little bit of time to really kick into gear. Yeah, like I, I think by the time that the mystery actually got enticing i think i was just over his dialogue heavy uh stuff in this sure the first time i saw it so and that's yeah uh, like when i first i was just it felt like a a theatrical production it does it, it very like much feels like a stage production yeah you know stage. it takes almost an hour for them to even get to the cabin i know it, it it's yeah. that's a lot yeah and i I agree, but in that hour we get like the introduction of 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 Mannix, of Walton Goggins, the Lincoln letter. The which Lincoln, I yeah, I think is such a great like running bit throughout. Oh, the I do, yeah, that. Um, and I love Samuel Jackson's uh kind of reasoning when he mm-hmm. finally says, "Hey, this is why I do it." Yeah, and, and it so makes good. perfect sense. Oh yeah, and yeah, you get a really feel for the dynamic of of race relations at that at that moment absolutely and like when uh when Mannix is reading the letter at the end it's like it's <laughs> i love the the old mary todd yeah, yeah right <laughs> and then he crumples it up and throws it away um so good um yeah so uh also i really like the way that Walton goggin says red rock um, <laughs> kind of uh, the running theme throughout this review. Um, <laughs> that, and then also, uh, anytime anyone says haberdashery, uh, yeah, ha- haberdashers, yeah, yeah. Es- especially, uh, Tim Roth's character. Yes. Which let's talk about Tim Roth. 
Um, really like seeing him return to a Tarantino movie, but it is so obviously a Christoph Waltz impression. Like, did you get that impression? I didn't get that at all. Really? Yeah. Cause like, I, I like, I read that Tarantino was like, yeah, he wants Christoph Waltz for The Hateful Eight. And like, Christoph Waltz was like, I, you know, I, I guess he had a statement where he said something like, something like he didn't want to be pigeonholed or anything. Right. Like he had already, you know, worked with Tarantino a couple times and he didn't want to be kind of typecast or anything. And, um, but yeah, I thought Tim Roth was like, I mean, he was, <laughs> there was this one post on Reddit that I was like, okay, you're okay. Okay, buddy. Uh, cause he was like, I can't believe, like I, I watched, uh, he or she said, uh, I watched the entire movie and I thought that it was Christoph Waltz. And then I realized like it wasn't even him. I didn't even recognize it as Tim Roth. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, okay, that's a bit yeah, much. That happened. Yeah. But, <laughs> but on a, on a, tangentially to that um it did feel like he was uh channeling christoph waltz i, 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 I guess i didn't all? get that impression at all interesting yeah i don't know huh. well agree to dicker <laughs> agree to dickery <laughs> agree to dick around uh no agree to disagree i i mean i thought that for the first time i saw it i was like it kind of felt like it was a little off-putting because it just felt like he was just trying to do the christoph waltz thing and like i didn't realize i think because now I've read like in passing like things about Tarantino wanting Christoph Waltz for the role and everything like I get like that's I get that that's why but like the more cynical side of me when I first saw it was like oh Tim Roth wants an Oscar <laughs> yeah I, um, I didn't get any of that yeah uh, even after the second viewing never really okay. made that connection interesting yeah uh really good I mean he was uh, yeah he I was, thought he was, I thought he was a good character yeah it wasn't I I, I said this in the I think we both made this thing, but it wasn't like an abomination or anything. Uh, <laughs> Call back. Anyway, so no, it, it didn't detract from the movie or anything for me because um, it was still entertaining. But it just it really felt like it, to me that it was a little no, fair enough. Yep. Um, for a movie that lacks, I I wouldn't say it lacks action because there's there's some there's, there's some action sorts of action. Yeah. But in comparison to Django and uh, Inglorious Bastards, like it is a very like night and day kind of thing in terms of action versus sure. drama. Um, when the action comes up, like it's uh, it was like I remember when <laughs> when the uh, blood spewing poison stuff happened. Yeah, that was that, that was that was fun. It was fun. It was incredible. But I was also like, no, Kurt Russell. I, I don't want to see right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he he went early. You did. didn't see that coming, but yeah, um, it's just it's it was intense, and it's just like it it's. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Greg Nicotero worked on the special effects. Yeah, Fusion. Yep. Don't know who that is, but oh, fair he enough. does. Like he's he's uh, he he does all the Walking Dead. Uh, oh, okay. Stuff, visual effects. I like uh, the dynamic between uh, Maddox and Bob. Yeah, especially when they're putting the horses up, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Sounds like you're calling me a liar." Yeah, it kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? Yes, but it didn't say it. So good. Yeah. So yeah, the, I thought I had a lot of fun with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things, the scenes I I really didn't care for was the scene where Maddox is talking to Bruce Dern about uh his son, and I yeah. I was on point until he gets to the part where he says he makes him suck his dick. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, you lost me at the at the end of that. 
Yeah, I I feel the same way, although my kind of justification for it is that he's you know, trying to get a rise out of him and stuff and trying to get Yeah, but, but it is just a, little, a bit much. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with you there. Um Yeah, yeah. Uh like that that could have worked out better for me if they had stopped it just a little little mm-hmm. sooner. Yeah, yeah. It took it a little bit far. Right, yeah. but yeah. Um I feel like uh, coming off of Django Unchained, it was interesting to see this movie kind of not return Tarantino to um a nonlinear story, but like see him kind of messing with with you know time right. in, in his storytelling, like kind of going back and it, seeing like the setup of everything. I thought that was really clever. I really enjoyed the when they go back and just show how mm-hmm. the gang kind of inf- infiltrates the haberdashery. Yes. So that yes. I thought that was really interesting, kind of how they uh, set it up for them to just pretty much murder everybody. Right. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed that setup. And Channing Tatum did a good job as yeah. uh, in his role. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Josie? Jody. Jo- Jody. Jody. Jody uh, I can't remember the last. It's a different last name. Yeah. It's in, from Domergu. Right. Um. Domingue, Domingue or something, Dominga or something, something like that. But yeah, that that Tatum. whole that that whole <laughs> Tatum, Gambit. Jody Tatum. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the whole setup for that was really good. I, yeah. I like the uh, throw, you know, the uh, backtracking. Like this is mm-hmm. this is how we got to where we're at now. Yep. So yeah, that that was really good. Got to see Zoe Bell again. Yep. Uh, yep. And she yep. was chipper again. Very chipper. Very charming. Yes. Uh, sad to see her go, but she had to. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. God, it was I I I really like this movie. I, I really do. Um, maybe you know, I'll pro- I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point and maybe after more and more viewings I'll my appreciation will grow for it cuz like I said, I I would almost go as far as to say that I enjoyed it the second time I watched nice. it. So That's good. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch the extended version. I haven't had a chance to watch that version of it. I couldn't even tell you what was in, in it that yeah. wasn't and in my first I didn't, viewing, I didn't so. Ask. But um, I <laughs> that came off as dickish. I didn't. I, just, ask. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. The, but the reason I watched it that way is because I could. I saw that you could do it in episode, and you had told me that they had it in like four segments. I was like, you know what? That's the way I'm gonna have to watch it because yeah. I'm just not gonna be excited to watch this. Uh, you know, f- all the way through. Yeah. Well, that's good. It, I mean. I'll have to I'll have to watch it myself and kind of compare. And I did appreciate the mystery a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, this time around because obviously it broken up and it wasn't so exhausting to listen mm-hmm. to the dialogue. But how did you feel about the lineup scene and and uh, um, Samuel L. Jackson and Walton Goggins kind of doing their kind of like detective? thing? I was good. I, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that that part. Mm-hmm. Me too. And how did you feel about the kind of the ending where they kind of team up there's that that weird kind of thing where where daisy's like saying like oh well you know kill him and no i I like daisy's uh kind of attempting to get walton goggins character to uh you know bite on the bait that she was you know so i I really enjoyed that portion of it and i like his rationale i was like but you know what I could have been poisoned too, and you didn't say a damn yes. thing. Yeah. So I enjoy that, and I and I like the throwback to uh, if the hangman gets you, you're gonna hang. Yeah. So I, I enjoy oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed how it ended there too. Yeah. It kind of really felt like the ending, the abruptness of the ending at that point kind of felt felt like uh, Inglorious Bastards. The way yeah, that kind of, of yeah, t- yeah to me, but it was satisfying. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I kind of wonder if the uh, the Lincoln letter and everything was. 
Tarantino's way of saying like, well, it's not as good as as Inglorious Bastards. So like him saying like, oh Mary Todd, that's, <laughs> that's a nice, a nice touch. touch. <laughs> <laughs> like, in contrast to the, uh, this is my masterpiece. Uh, it is interesting. Yeah. This movie was almost abandoned by Tarantino. Was it? Yeah, I, I haven't. I hadn't read any. The uh, the script because I remember when this happened, the script had got leaked online. That's right. And he almost was like, "I'm not going to make it now." Yeah, man, I completely forgot about yeah. that. Um, I'm sure that the answer is no. But were you ever tempted to? Oh no, not yeah. not ever. Okay. Yeah, that, that's just. I don't know why anyone would be tempted to like a, a script is not going to do anything to especially in a movie like a quentin tarantino movie so why would i yeah i, I would just zero desire i think of all of tarantino's movies i think this one would be uh really good on the page um just in terms of just like the story and the dialogue and everything yeah. i think it would be it would read well um but i also i'm in the camp of like okay i don't know why anyone would want to spoil Something yeah, let, let me. I'll wait for the finished product. Yeah. I I don't need to ruin it, mm. but you know, I I'm glad, I'm glad that he was able to make his vision. So yeah, and he went went ahead with it. I'm curious if he changed anything from the original script. Yeah, that's a good. Question. You almost feel like he had had to have, but yeah. um, but the finished product, I I really yeah. Really I'll I'll probably I'll probably wait a year mm. and then give another watch. I'm not. That's fair. I don't know if I'll ever buy it. Maybe I will just to have a completionist's. Sure. Uh, collection but i don't know we'll see that's fair um also kind of kind of to wind down a little bit but the uh like we talked about with with django like the wide wide angle like panoramic views of like the of the of the outside the exterior as few and far between as they were in comparison with django just did a really great job of selling the isolation oh yeah it's incredible they he he has an eye for that kind yes. of cinematography, so and it really sold the blizzard too. It really did, yeah. Like from a sound design level, from like the set decoration, everything, the snow, like it just it felt it felt like they were trapped there. Right. It was um, very claustrophobic. Yes, which is exactly why it would be in a steady rotation in a double feature, um, snowed in double feature for me with The Shining. Yeah, so, fair yeah. enough. Yep. What other movies? do you think would make a good Snowden uh, movie watching? Snowden? <laughs> That's true. That is claustrophobic. Yeah, he's, you know, kind of, he's got, yeah, yeah. he puts a band-aid on his on cliffhanger his thing. That's not. So claustrophobic. That, that opposite. Of, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, this was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't really think of any snow-heavy movies. Dead Snow? It's not really claustrophobic, though. It's a zombie yeah, movie. That's, yeah, I guess. The episode of The Simpsons where him and Mr. Burns get stuck in the cabin? Yes. Oh, that's a good episode. Uh, it is a good episode. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah, we're completely off-topic, but are you excited that Disney Plus is going to have all of The Simpsons? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a Simpsons? Fan? It's on. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I am a fan of Simpsons up until like season twelve ish. Yeah. Yep. But the, those uh, those seasons are not on Hulu. No, I own them all anyway. So. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. I own them all too. Yeah. In a Good. Different format. Stealing. I didn't steal. I just downloaded, and it's without it's actually, the consent of Fox. Well, 
I'm going to get Disney Plus regardless. That's fair. But it is also, it is perfect if you can uh, indulge my um, felonious? Felonious? Felonious. Felacious? No. Um, Sure. Felonious activities. Uh, It's really great because I can have just like random episodes pop up um, when I play it on my laptop. Nice. Sleep to the Simpsons. Anyway, so that's the Hateful Eight. Um, uh, yeah. Um, any parting thoughts? Um, I can't wait for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Same here. And um, there are two bits of Tarantino news that dropped this week that kind oh, yes. that kind of would negate his whole ten picture I'm done deal. Yes, let's talk about this quickly like i have uh we uh, we actually got some good feedback on uh, the first episode um from a friend of the show ben sears also patron uh and i also uh he is uh, i think he's also going to be contributing some written reviews oh, nice. to the website so yes um but he he said big fan of the first tarantino retrospective episode um uh, I was just going to say it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on what you think his next slash last project should or could be. So the news. <laughs> so the first bit of news was that just last week, him and Uma Thurman had had discussions about Kill Bill Volume 3. I saw that. And I also saw this really a uh, great tweet that was like uh they basically did a pick collage of IndieWire posting their article about that seven times in one day <laughs> like tweeting out that same article and it's like it had the caption of like well another Tarantino movie's coming out so let's spam Twitter with an <laughs> article about uh, the possibility of Kill Bill Volume 3 <laughs> uh, so yeah I, I read that he's talked about it recently and he said that if there's one movie from his back catalog that he, that could be revived or like used again or whatever, um, followed up on. It would be Kill Bill. Um, we talked a little bit about the possibility yeah. of Kill Bill three last time. How do you feel about it now in lieu of this? I, I'm I'm excited. I I want him to go forward with it because I think nice. it'd be an interesting uh, story wrap up for it. Nice. And I did do some digging on what he said about his career like uh the 10th movie he has long maintained that the 10th movie is going to be his last movie and that he wants to he said at some point he said that he wants to go out on top he wants to basically uh he would rather retire after 10 movies because it's a nice number and he wants to have 10 movies that people can like throw in any one of his movies and have a good time with it he doesn't want to have like a like a bad movie in his catalog and everything which i respect i i I can get behind that yeah but if he makes kill bill volume three He's already pretty committed to the, his Star Trek vision now. See, I agree. And this Star Trek thing, I don't know how I feel about it. Well, uh, they announced, I, I read today that his uh, vision will be in the universe of the Chris Pine, mm-hmm. uh, Star Treks. I, I'm not as big into Star Trek as you are. I've enjoyed, right. uh, I watched the first season of the original. And I mm-hmm. actually really enjoyed it and I love the, the new movies. Yeah. So I, it's one of those things that I, I'm not really gonna have an expectation of. Mm-hmm. I'll when he makes or if he makes this movie, I will go see it and judge it upon viewing. And that's kind of where I'm, where I need to be. <laughs> My where I'm at though is that 
And like, okay, you're not as big a Star Trek fan as I am. I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as the big Star Trek fans <laughs> and everything. So like, I, it's not like I have like a, a, a big dog in this fight or anything. However, what I'm kind of, like, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what a, an R rated Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie looks like. Well, nobody does because yeah. it hasn't been made. Yeah. But also, it's just, it's so far out there. And he says that it's going to be like Pulp Fiction in space, which, sure, I, like, that could be cool. But also, it feels like, like you, you said you've, you've seen the first season of the original yeah. series and the J.J. Abrams movie, movies. Like, granted, there is a lot of Star Trek in between those. But I feel like, I feel like there's already been a big enough jump in terms of Star Trek. So like from that original series that's very campy and very William, William Shatnery to the more polished and lens flary JJ Abrams space adventure kind of Star Trek movies. Like I don't know if we need another leap in that canon to an R rated, you know, cause a big part of Star Trek is the kind of social commentary yeah. and, and the way that it, kind of delves into more like human issues and stuff. And I just don't feel like that's a playground that Tarantino is, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't understand why Tarantino wants to play in that sandbox. Well, I'll give him this. I'll give him a chance. If, it, yeah. if it's not great, it turns out there's plenty of Star Trek for people to enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Like there is Star I mean, Trek. It's not going to tarnish the. Right. It's not going to tarnish the thing. Like I like I give you a lot of shit about Star Wars, but like the prequels did not tarnish anything. Right. Like, like it's it's the the good stuff is still there. Um, but I it's, it's just it's so it's so bizarre to me. Also, I read that he didn't write the script that they're working off of for the Star Trek movie. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Which I found very interesting. Like I'm sure maybe he wouldn't consider that one of his sin if he didn't write it. <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, he so. He didn't, he didn't write the script, but obviously, I mean, he's Quentin Tarantino, so if he does do that project, he's gonna rewrite it and everything, I'm right. sure. But he did say, like, he, there was an article in, like, Vice or something, I'll link it in the show notes. He did say, like, well, uh, that's the thing about, like, my whole 10 thing, that if, like, if I do Star Trek, is it technically one of the 10? Or, and, and he's like, I don't want to, like, have this whole time being, saying, like, oh, I'm gonna do 10 movies only to find a loophole and be able to do, cause he said, like in his quote, he said, uh, directly, like he directly said, like, it feels right to go out on an original movie rather than like, I would, Trek. yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. but, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. He also said in another interview somewhere I saw, I don't, I don't know if I can dig up the link or not, but he also said that he was considering, well, maybe once upon a time in Hollywood will be my last movie. <laughs> <laughs> like he's kind of all over the place. So I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see what his career does. We'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, for somebody like that, I feel like if he committed to being done, but an idea popped in his head that he oh, felt passionate absolutely. about, he'd be jumping right back into and, it. And that's what I think is going to be. I actually turned on my PS4. Oh. Um, so I think that that is what it's going to come down to is that like eventually, like he will retire, like he says that he wills, but he will, but I'm sure like he's a filmmaker. Like yeah. that's. He'll catch the bug and do something else. Especially if an idea pops on. Yep. Yep. Oh. So that's our Quentin Tarantino oh. retrospective in the lead up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, super excited for this movie. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Can't wait to see it. We'll be back next week with a review of that. And yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Fekas, I want to thank you for 
indulging me in this in this uh thanks for inviting me on it yes yes it has been a blast it's been fun it's good times uh, yeah so we will be back for once upon a time in hollywood and hopefully it is good <laughs> um i have no doubt that it will be yeah um it's... yeah so yeah we'll see you next time um check out patreon uh patreon.com slash obsessive viewer we recorded a special patreon um exclusive rss feed recording where i sprang a ridiculous question on fecus yep um sure did yep and we talked oh we talked about the marvel phase four um announcements and everything so yeah i wanted to get like mike or tiny on for like a bonus episode just covering that but i just i can't um, busy man, Matt. Busy, busy man. Busy man. Um, yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Feel like she was never really committed to. Those well, she's roles. committed now. Yeah. So. So I'm hoping that like they pay her enough to where she's like. Really I don't even think it's ever been about the money for her. I think okay. it was just the material for her. So. Yeah, and that makes sense because those first two movies, especially when compared to Ragnarok, I mean. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm pumped for it. Mm-hmm. Um. What do you think of the title, Love and Thunder? I don't think it works. I mean, you know. Do you know? Do you know what I kind of wish that they would have went with? Something stupid. Uh, Thor Ragnarol. So they could add. Oh, rock and roll! Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, the Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com/slash/ov/archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike white. That's me at R a Fecus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. 
You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!